Good morning, and we welcome back to the program State Senator Jean Lysing for her uh, biweekly update on what's going on at the State House. Good morning to you, Senator Lysing. Good morning, Tom. Uh, it's going to be a big, busy week in just um, these last few days of the session. Unfortunately, from my perspective, a lot of the biggest issues are left uh, or continue to be debated until the end, okay? Um, now, I would tell you on a good news standpoint, uh, the state revenue forecast was released the middle of last week, and our um, forecast says that we are going to have $1.5 billion, that's with a B, more money than what was originally thought based on the forecast. So what that means is there's now a recalculation of the budget going on, you know. So currently about 48% of the Senate budget that was proposed uh, until the the last, the new revenue forecast was going for K to 12 education. My guess is we could see that percentage go a little higher um, because uh, it seems like K to 12 education is always pretty well taken care of. Some other issues, though, Medicaid, actually, I think I had mentioned previously maybe that the state share of Medicaid is about one-third, and the federal government takes care of two-thirds. Medicaid is the health insurance for the lower income, Um, and that includes some of our seniors who exhausted their resources and are now in a nursing home. But... I do believe um, that we might see a little bit of a re- increase in reimbursement for Medicaid because that has caused a cost shifting uh, among uh, billing uh, by hospitals and doctors uh, because of the under-reimbursement uh, for Medicaid patients. So, so we'll see. I mean, again, this is kind of all up in the air. I know a lot of your listeners might be interested that are retired teachers or retired uh, state employees, uh, something called a 13th check. It's really not a 13th check. It's an extra stipend that sometimes is given to them when there is an extra bit of money because some of our oldest retirees actually get very little bit in their monthly check. So we'll see if that gets approved. Um, I have been fighting for funding for historic sites, and that might sound like a crazy thing to people, but for instance, in our area, Matamora is a historic site, and there's not been any money spent there on maintenance, either for the canal, the locks, the aqueduct, the grist mill, or frankly, the boat that they pulled out of the water and didn't brace properly, and it basically fell apart. So Matamora, as we know it, Uh, for its historic value has really diminished, and I'm hoping that we can get some money to restore that. Many people are concerned because the budget currently in the Senate does not list CTE, Career and Technical Education Funding, separately from the K-12 education, and actually they're very concerned that in some areas uh, they may not think that agricultural education is important enough to actually uh, get uh, additional or funding. And if that would be the case, 
then we could see agricultural programs disappear in our state, which in turn would cause our FFA programs to disappear. So, and which is a big negative impact for all of agriculture because agriculture depends on students that uh, have an understanding of ag, uh, also agribusiness. So we'll see what happens with that. In the education area, uh, FAFSA, uh, that bill has been signed into law by the governor, which will now require high school seniors and their families to complete the FAFSA unless they deliberately sign off and say they don't want to. And we believe that's important because $69 million of federal money was left unused last year by Indiana uh, higher education students. And that doesn't just mean for four-year bachelor programs. That could mean for various careers. So <clears throat> I'm hoping that we see uh, that uh, that money that's there earmarked um, be utilized because it's not going to be saved by the federal government. Um, we also have seen uh, the 21st Century Scholars Bill uh, be signed into law, and that bill is going to automatically enroll 7th and 8th graders in the 21st Century Scholar Program, which if they keep their grades up and they stay out of trouble, they could qualify potentially for uh, higher education funds under that program. So we're trying to do what we can to advance our students so that their income levels um, are better than what they are now. And again, I want to say that doesn't just mean academic. It could mean electricians. It could mean, you know, plumbers. It could be all those skilled trades that we currently don't seem to have enough of. I think we will also see some additional money put into the voucher program. I don't know how much. And I think we will see some funding additionally um, for charter schools. Now, I only have one charter school in my district, that being the Mays Academy in Rush County. <clears throat> then in regard to the health area, we have um, county health department funding that's still, the amount of the funding is still being debated. But in Senate Bill 4, uh, there will be funding, additional funding for county health departments to perhaps address health issues for our areas and not covid it, it doesn't have anything to do with COVID dollars. But I think that that is important because we know that everything from traditional childhood immunizations to other health issues handled through the county health department could be uh, Im improved. We have Senate Bill 1, uh, which is our mental health bill. And again, the funding for that with this new bump up in the fiscal forecast uh, we, we're hoping that it becomes fully funded at the level that was originally requested uh, because we know that there is definitely a need for more mental health services in our state, better availability. I mean, in our 92 counties, there's only 24 community mental health centers. And the other thing that I always want to remind people is that mental health now in, includes addiction. And we know that there's addiction issues in several counties in our state. Uh, then we also um, 
have to really continue to watch um, House Bill 1004. And this is the bill that is going to try to address hospital costs. But we have to be very cautious as that is done. Um, And I think that's why there's not been a final version of that bill, uh, because hospitals, depending on their size and the communities they serve, their potential profitability varies tremendously. And so not that we want hospitals to show a large profit, but we want hospitals to stay open so they can provide services in our districts, in our areas. And so I think we will see that issue continue to be discussed until what probably now looks like the last day of session, which may be this Thursday. By law, it has to be no later than the 29th of April, uh, which would be Saturday. But most people are predicting that by late Thursday, we may be done. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. And we'll continue our conversation with State Senator Gene Lysing right after this. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To-Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To-Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To-Go, big city convenience, small town taste. And welcome back as we continue our bi-weekly chat with State Senator Jean Lysing as she provides an update on what's going on in the legislature And as we mentioned in our previous segment, a lot of issues are still up for debate. And uh, one that has garnered a lot of attention this year is property taxes. Everybody's getting ready to pay their property taxes. And likely their property taxes are higher than what they were last year. Uh, Property taxes are based on uh, trending values. So if your neighbor has sold property or has sold their house and it came for maybe double what everybody thought was worth, that pushes everybody in that area's assessment up. And so as a result, the amount of property taxes you have to pay goes up or increases even though you're not selling your house. So it's it's hard for people to, to quite grasp how that's working. But that whole um, issue of trending and using market values came about as a court ruling several years ago. And so now it's pretty much fully implemented. So the legislature is discussing one thing, a two-year task force to review property taxes. But in addition to that, they're also looking at if there can be any relief for the next calendar year. Not for this year. It's too late. But perhaps for 24. Then another big issue is the utilities issue. Um, I have worked on It seems like a lot of utility issues this year because I want to make sure that we have the reliability that is so very important to all of us so that when we flip that switch, the lights come on so that our furnace fan is able to work, our refrigeration, our manufacturers, and all of that. And so um, quite a while ago now already, Senate Bill 9, which I authored, passed and was signed into law by the governor, And that would require a review of any coal-fired or natural gas-fired 
energy-producing plant that is retired prematurely. And you would say, why in the world would they retire those prematurely? Well, there's been a big push for renewable energy, which is like wind and solar. However, we know right now from the data that's available <clears throat> that those two things are not reliable enough for us to completely depend upon with today's technology. So on a given day, I'm going to tell you that wind provides maybe 10 to 20 percent of our energy needs, while solar could be anywhere from zero to three percent, depending on whether the sun is shining. Uh, in contrast, coal fire generation uh, actually amounts to about 30 percent on any given day, and natural gas the same, and nuclear energy, which we get some nuclear energy from a plant that's located uh, just across the state line in Michigan. And so um, we have to make sure that we keep those energy sources um, available and functioning because we don't want to turn into a California and be sitting in the dark or having brownouts or blackouts. Uh, there's also transmission issues that this past week, some of you may have heard that there was a house bill <clears throat> that talks about building new transmission lines. Well, the Mid-Intercontinent MISO distributor, a transmission of electric across state lines, says we have to build new transmission, and I would tell you that is directly related to these new renewable locations because there's not the transmission line to transfer that energy to where it needs to go. So there was a big debate last week over whether or not those transmission lines should be controlled by uh, utilities within our state or if they should be outsourced to out-of-state. And if they're controlled by in-state, <clears throat> then those um, transmission lines will be under the IURC, which is the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission. And I opted for that because I think that that way Indiana has some um, scrutiny and can have eyes on what is going on in regard to building out transmission because we are talking about many, many dollars to build new transmission. Um, it's really an astronomical number. And then last of all, I want to talk briefly about the natural resources, Department of Natural Resources. We've had some ongoing debates because of the floodplain maps. And floodplain maps, uh, we think of normally as being under FEMA, federal government. However, uh, within the last couple of years, the state of Indiana, under the Department of Natural Resources, decided that we needed more floodplain maps. And so they flew the state and used LIDAR technology and expanded the properties in Indiana that are under uh, are now considered floodplains. If you are in one of those floodplains, state floodplains, and you go to get a building permit, you may not be able to get it. If you're getting ready to sell your property, you may unfortunately find that your property is devalued because it's now considered in a state floodplain. So today, actually, I have what I'm hoping will be the final 
conference committee meeting on a bill that tries to address that and gives property owners a right to appeal rulings made by the uh, DNR through their local floodplain administrators. And so we'll see what happens with that. It's a much bigger issue for property owners than most people have on their radar screen because the DNR really didn't publicly talk about this whole state floodplain map issue uh, when they rolled it out. They rolled it out just at the beginning of COVID, and it got lost in conversation completely. So uh, all I can say, Tom, is that we have a lot of issues, too many issues, very frankly, that have so much significance that has to be uh, compromised, debated, or let go this week. Indeed. And, uh, of course, as you uh, mentioned, uh, Gene Lysing, the uh, FAFSA bill uh, signed into law by the governor. Also, uh, your uh, bill uh, regarding easy-to-read summaries of students' results on their statewide assessment report also uh, signed by the governor last week. So uh, congratulations on both of those. Well, thank you. And I would tell you that my cursive, uh, it's really a study now. It's not the mandate yet. But in order to get the cursive bill uh, through, uh, and I believe that it will pass probably by tomorrow out of the legislature. It's going to require the Department of Education to survey all accredited schools, public and private and charter, and determine whether or not they are still currently teaching cursive or not, and if they're teaching cursive in what grade. We are finding and hearing from more and more employers that young people that they're hiring can no longer read cursive writing, and it's become a huge problem in the workplace, which I guess I've been talking about for probably 10 years, but it's now caught the attention. So I think we will see this study done, and then we can go from there. I'm afraid that there's a disparity being driven between publics and privates. It seems like more of the private schools are still teaching cursive where the publics are not. So lots of education issues out there, and we just uh, hope we do the right things to make it better for all of our kids and their futures. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, uh, State Senator Gene Lysing, uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, talk to you again in uh, two weeks for a uh, recap of the legislative session. Stay well, and uh, best of luck to you and everybody involved at the uh, State House this week, and uh, look forward to uh, speaking with you again uh, hopefully in two weeks. Yeah, and I would just um, remind people again, if there's any uh, thing that they want to leave a message for me about, to call that 800 number, which is 1-800-382-9467. So thanks so much, Tom, for giving everybody the opportunity to catch up with what's going on or not going on in Indianapolis.